Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So some of you are wondering who I am or where I've been. Um, my name's Jane Sargent. I lead an organisation called Face Trust, which is attached and works alongside Life Central quite closely. And I've had the joy of being um, just on sabbatical for the last three months, which has been lovely. Um, but I hadn't left. I haven't found a better church. It's all about you. It's all about LCC. Come on. So, so thank you for those of you that have prayed for me and Russ while I've been away. I've really appreciated that. And, and I've come back into this amazing series that we're doing about grown-up prayers. And this is week four. And so if you're here with us for the first time, the last three weeks, you can get them online up on our website. I'd really encourage you. There's some real, real nuggets of gold in there. And this series is all about acknowledging, you know, that while some of us may have grown up praying and we're not making that assumption anymore because that's not always the case, our prayers didn't grow with us. And we're not the first set of grown-ups that um, have struggled with that or that applies to because as we've seen over the last three weeks, the people that hung out with Jesus day in and day out had never learned that either. So we're in great company today. Um, And I was one of those kids that had to say the Lord's Prayer every day in school. Just like parrot fashion. We had assembly every morning and there we were and we'd say the Lord's Prayer. But I always remember when we got to this line... Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It always felt a bit weird to me. I didn't quite understand what was being said. It kind of inferred to me that we're praying for God not to lead me into places that I'm going to struggle with, or I'm going to find tempting, if we still use that word, or I'm going to cross a line over. And so, you know, it's it's, God, please don't take us there. Um, But that isn't really what this is about. And the truth is, you know, whether we say we follow Jesus or not, we will have or we will do in the future, I guarantee, be faced with moments where we cross a line and we wish we hadn't. Where we cross a line and we wish we hadn't. So hopefully if you felt a little bit like I did, that this was a bit weird, or or even if you've never had any clue and it's the first time you've ever seen this line, I hope by the end of our short time together that we've got a little bit more of a handle on what Jesus is trying to teach us. But first of all, I want to look at this word temptation because I want us to get on the same page, really. And there's just a couple of things, a bit of myth-busting I want to do about this word, really. And the Greek word here is the word parasmus. Now, somebody's going to come to the end who's a really Greek scholar and say, you pronounced that wrong, so I'm apologising now if I've offended anybody, um, but that's how I'm going to say parasmus. And it can be translated in two ways, okay? As a test and a trial, or as an enticement or a temptation. But these two translations of the word are so close together because usually when I face a trial or an, or an ordeal or a test, I'm almost always tempted to do the wrong thing. Isn't that weird? Am I the only one? Surely I'm not the only one that that happens. And I can categorically tell us, tell you today that Jesus is not saying in that model prayer that we're using, that we call the Lord's Prayer, that God would ever lead us to sin. He's not saying that at all. No, he's teaching us what to do, how to respond when those times come, because they surely will. And there isn't anything wrong with being tempted. 
Please don't feel guilty about being tempted because it's about our response to that situation that matters. Just a couple of quick things then. First thing number one is this. Temptations are not sinful or anything to be ashamed of at all. Nothing to be ashamed of at all. How do I know that? Because Hebrews 4.15 says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You see, if temptations were a sin, then Jesus sinned, didn't he? Because he was tempted just like we are. But the Bible clearly says that that never happened. Here's the second thing we need to get our heads around. Temptations are experienced by everybody. Every human being on the planet who's ever lived, is living or will live, will face a temptation. And it isn't true that the more I follow Jesus, or the more godly, in inverted commas, I become, means the less temptations I'll face. That doesn't happen. It doesn't change the number of temptations I will face. And C.S. Lewis Great guy, great quote, said this, no man knows how bad he is until he's tried to be good. There's a silly idea about that good people don't know what temptation means. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter who you are this morning, doesn't matter how long you've followed Jesus, doesn't matter whether you're pastor, teacher, apostle, whatever evangelist, we are all going to be tempted. Third thing quickly is this, temptations are normal desires that go outside God's healthy boundaries. Basically, they're a good or a natural desire that we have that kind of goes a bit wrong, if you think about it. It's when we abuse and misuse what God's given us. So, you know, I have a desire to eat, but then I overeat. I have a desire to drink, but then I overindulge. I do too much. So I desire too much, or it goes too far, or it's in the wrong place, or it's with the wrong person. It's like we trespass. Who trespassed as a kid anywhere they shouldn't have gone? Thank you for those honest people. I did. I did. You go into an area that is clearly signposted out of bounds. Out of bounds. You can share those stories later. Um, And the fourth thing is this. Temptations are not passive. They're not passive. They are active. And they seek to, the Bible says, overtake us. And 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You see, here's the releasing thing. I am not my temptations. You are not your temptations. We experience our temptations. They are not our friends. They are not our friends. They have a specific goal. And what is that? To entice you to do things that are not the best for you. And the Bible is full of stories that show um, humans, just like me, just like you, that are really prone to give in to temptation. But what the Bible also shows us is the lengths that God will go to, to save us from those consequences. And when I say the word temptation and struggle, our minds always go to those, the things that we think is a really bad stuff, doesn't it? Like the sexual stuff or the addictions we may have or the forbidden stuff. I've got to be honest with you, I've never been tempted to murder anybody, really. Except my husband. (laughs) That's not true. Um. (laughs) Maybe not literally. Um, But I haven't, I don't struggle with that temptation. Listen, my temptations are much more subtle. 
are much more subtle. Things like the temptation to do what works. Not necessarily the right thing, but the thing that's going to work. How about the temptation to do what's easy, or do what's quick, or do what works in the short run? Basically, what is best for me? And I'm going to share a story um, about when I used to do cross-country running at school. And I lived in Dudley, which for those of you who don't know, is a small town up the way. And uh, we had to run through the streets of Dudley in our PE kits doing cross-country. Now, I thought it wasn't like this. It was streets. It was hills. And I just thought it was the PE teachers having a lesson off, having a cup of coffee, and think, we'll just send them on a run. We'll just send them out on a run. Um, and so we used to do this. And as we were running around, um, there, always, there was a gully that was a shortcut. And there always used to be a group of people that would hang around the gully, time it, sneak through the gully, run back up the hill, back into the school and get their time in. And I used to run past them and I used to think, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? Until one time I went round and I thought, Jane, you are so stupid. Why are you just hanging here with these girls? Time it. You know what your times roughly are. They're never that great. They're not expecting you to come in first, second or third. You know, give it a good ten minutes, go across, go up the... So I was tempted and I gave in. And blow me down if the teachers weren't at the end of that gully taking people's names. For the first time ever known to humankind. And my name was on the naughty list. And I was gutted. I was gutted. And you know what they did? They made us run the whole thing twice. But, and here's a sermon for the day, they ran it with us. We had the consequences, but they paid it with us. So you see, I can give in. I can give in. But my biggest temptation is often to do nothing. You know when you see something or someone you think I could help there? But you just don't. And when I look at temptation through those lenses, it puts a completely different perspective on what Jesus was inviting us to pray. Because it's a lot more subtle than we think it is. And we need this part of the lesson more than maybe we would care to admit. And But if you are a Jesus follower today, and you call yourself a Christian, how often do we pray this? How often do we pray that line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, save us, rescue us from evil? Because if we did, how can you plan to give in to something, or plan to lead yourself into something and then pray to God to stop you doing that? It's a bit of an anomaly to me. So it's actually a prayer of protection. It's actually a grown-up prayer number five, the prayer of protection. And that's the lens we're going to look through it as. Because if we look at it through this lens, maybe we may start to pray a little bit more often than we do. So let's break it down. Lead us not into temptation. And back to those verses in Hebrews that we read, where it said, for we don't have a high priest. He was unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, if it stayed there, we'd be done. We'd be done. Because the truth is, we do give in. If it stayed there, it would be an impossibility. But thank the Lord they wrote verse 16, which is this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now our times of need can be times of temptation. And so a question I have to ask myself is this, honestly with you today, do I want mercy and grace in my time of need? Do I want saving? Do I want delivering? Do I want protecting from my temptation? 
Or do we play this little game that we often do, which is, it's easier to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. So am I going to do it and then say sorry later on? Because we've got a God who's forgiving, right? We've got a God who's merciful. We've got a God who's kind. And of course we do. But if we treat him like that, we are reducing God to somebody that we can manipulate, to somebody that we shrink down, to somebody that can be used, to somebody who we think is going to turn a blind eye to what I'm doing. And then what do I do when I find myself in trouble? I find myself praying to that very God I've reduced, I've made, I've manipulated, and I've used. And I'm saying, God, will you help me? Will you save me? Will you rescue me? Will you deliver me? I'm praying to the very God I thought would turn a blind eye in the first place. Let me tell you today, that God doesn't exist. And praise the name of Jesus, he doesn't exist in that way. I have a father in heaven, so do you, who yes, is forgiving, yes, who is kind, yes, who is loving. But he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for the foolish things that I was going to do. He's not turning a blind eye or giving a casual wing to the things that I give in to. The cost for him was much too high for that. You see, I'm trying to pray myself out of a situation that I've behaved myself into. And it's all around this word leads. It's all around this word leads. We lead ourselves into temptation. And I want you to think about, you know, what or who or what about you or what about me leads me to that point. Leads me to that point. Because a lot of the things that will come into your mind center around you. Center around me. And if I let those things lead me, I will never get to the point where it's enough, you know. I will never feel satisfied. Why? Because the things I'm doing to feed the longing or desire on the outside is never what I need to heal on the inside. And worse than that, I find myself almost always giving up something important for something immediate. So what's my part? What's your part? It's this. In Matthew, it says this. Watch and pray so that you will not fall. But what are we watching for? We're watching for circumstances that make us vulnerable. And this is true for all of us, whether you would call yourself a Christian or not today. And this is going to help. Why is it going to help, Jane? I'm glad you asked me that. Because when we already know what can tempt us, when we already know what can tempt us, we can start to identify what is making me vulnerable to that temptation. Because once we're aware of the when, is it a certain time of day? Is it when everyone else is in bed? You know, is it where? Is it when I'm at work? Is it when I'm at home, in the kitchen? Is it when I'm in front of my computer? Is it a who? You know, well, who's with me? You know, am I on my own? Is it with certain people I socialise with, certain people I work with, when I'm with people who don't know me at all? Is it a what? You know, what benefit am I getting from it? There's always a payoff, but it's always temporary. Do I get comfort from it? Does it excite me? Do I get a pleasure from it? Do I get a false sense of confidence from it? But here's the kicker. It's the how. How do I feel right before I'm tempted? What are my emotional triggers? Am I frustrated? Am I stressed? Am I bored? 
And when we know these things, we can plan better to avoid it. Now, you're all wondering what's under this site. I'm like some mad magician with a load of pigeons to... <laughs> Sadly not. This. Where I work, we have what's called the snack table. And this is what the snack table can often look like. Okay, so we have healthy options and we have unhealthy options under the little sil gold silver platter there. Now, normally, nine times out of ten, I'm a fruit person. I can go past, pick a banana, pick an apple, absolutely fine. Doesn't matter what's under there. But occasionally, occasionally, this happens. I'm in my office and the cry will go up somebody's brought donuts! Somebody's brought donuts! Nine times out of ten, I can carry on working, but once my mind's going, donuts, somebody's mentioned donuts. I've got, oh, I haven't had donut for ages. Oh, I wonder, what, I wonder, are they good donuts? So I'll come over, and sure enough, there are the donuts. And then I'm thinking, I wander back into my office. I won't have them if they're ring donuts. If they're ring donuts, I won't have one because I'm not really into ring donuts, and oh, they're not ring donuts. Oh, I bet they're jam, I bet they're jam. Because I love custard donuts. If, if they're not custard donuts, I won't have one. I won't have one. Oh, no, no. Oh, there's custard leaking out of that one. And I'll do this, and I'll work, my team will tell you I will walk backwards and forwards out of my office until I'm like, get out of the donut! Get out of the donut! Why is this important? Thank you very much. When should I have said no? When should I have said no? At the start. I should never have gone and looked. Why? Because if I go and look and I go too close, what happens is what I thought I wanted suddenly becomes what I need. I need to have a donut. Can't wait to have a donut. It's funny, isn't it? how it goes from want to need very quickly. Because I can keep redrawing the line and keep renegotiating the line. And if you remember nothing else from today except this, remember this word, halt. Why is it important the how? Because how I feel drove me to that table. Never allow yourself to get too hungry, too angry, too lonely, too tired. Maybe there's some homework for you to do on some of this stuff. On some of this stuff. And then we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What happens if we move the comma? The line suddenly becomes, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Changes the inflection on the sentence for me. And the New Living Translation says this, do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. We pray for help. You see, God knows where I'm going to stumble. He knows what's going on in my life. And more than that, he can help me overcome. You see, God isn't upset with me that I went for the donut. He's not even angry with me that I was tempted by the donut. He wants me to invite him into that situation to help me resist the donut. And if you think about it, every temptation is an invitation. Every temptation is an invitation. An invitation to depend 
on God. Why? Because when I come to him, when I pray to him to lead me, to protect him, to protect me, I'm turning my attention away from that play over there and onto him, onto the person that is going to help me and deliver me from doing something foolish. It is possible. Paul said this, I can do all things through Christ. There's that name. Who strengthens me? And deliver means to rescue or to preserve. We lead ourselves into temptation. I took myself to the table. But God rescues me and preserves me from it. So, lead me. The assumption here is that you've already decided to follow. But have you? Have you? Or does that create a bit of tension for you today? Because that could be where God wants to work in you right now. You see, saying yes to the things that tempt us can often lead us to places of secrecy, can't it? It erodes our transparency with the people that we care about the most. It leads to a shared load of regret. Actually, if you think about it, temptation is a doorway to loss. And Jesus, that name, is a doorway to life. Why wouldn't we pray for protection? It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Before we face whatever life and the world has to offer, let's pray the prayer of protection. Let's admit, I can't do this on my own. I can't do today on my own. And the battle is already half won if you want to avoid temptation enough to invite God to help you. And every week, we've prayed a prayer together. And this this week's going to be no different. And I'll invite us to stand. And we're going to pray something together today, which is going to help, which is going to help. Because when we pray for protection, let me tell you, it doesn't stop temptation coming. But when it does come, as it will, it's no surprise you can go, aha, donut, I've been expecting you. The battle is already half won. Someone invite us to pray this together and the words will come up on the screen. Let's pray it together. God, today I invite you to protect my mind, protect my eyes and ears, protect my mouth, protect my hands and feet, protect my heart so that you can lead me into being more like the person you have made me to be. Jesus, I want to thank you that yours is the name above every name. And your heart is to be invited into the situations and the circumstances that trouble us, that hinder us, that challenge us, And maybe you're facing one of those right now and just bring that to your mind as we just finish and pray and and just see yourself inviting Jesus into that 
situation for you. And there is no guilt in being tempted. It's about our response. It's about who is leading. And so, Father, I invite you to lead us today. Because when we lift up our heads and we look at you, we change our focus, our attention is shifted, and we suddenly see you for who you are. And Lord, I pray for those that may be struggling right now with things, that God, we will just maybe whisper, Jesus, all you're waiting for is that slight inclination of our turning towards you and you are right there. So Father, I pray, would you lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Preserve us, rescue us from those things that are not your best for us. And let us call on you in our times of needs with confidence, knowing that you will always be merciful and gracious to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we're going to finish with a song called The King of My Heart. And the first two words are, let the king of my heart. And I want to invite you. God never forces his way into anything. So those two words are really important. Let the king. Because when we let him, he will be the mountain. He will be the fountain. He will be the wind. He will be our fire. He will be our protector. He will be our saviour. So let's sing this with confidence today. And let's let the king be the king of our heart. Amen. Amen.